0: Throughout Formula 1's near 70 year history, there have been a number of huge rivalries that have captured the imagination of the fans throughout the world. Whether they were developed through mutual respect, or due to very personal issues, rivalries in F1 have always been about one thing, and that's winning. Doing what it takes to come away victorious and getting won over the opposition. I have already covered Nicky Lauda and James Hunt's rivalry as they fought over the 1976 World Championship in episode 8 of the podcast, and to many that remains one of the great one on one battles between two drivers that there has ever been. That battle certainly warranted its own episode of F1 Everything. But Lauda vs Hunt was very much a one year thing, and whilst it was an incredible year, sometimes driver feuds last for years and they tend to be the ones that people talk about the most. Most recently, Mercedes teammates Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg went from friends to foes over their pursuit for the World Championship. Sometimes being teammates can be the most toxic of situations between drivers, especially when the ultimate prize is up for grabs. But whilst Hamilton and Rosberg's rivalry was certainly memorable, It isn't the greatest rivalry between teammates the sport has seen. You would have to go back three decades for that. One driver, a double world champion, someone who is considered to be pound for pound the best driver in the world. The other driver, somewhat of an up and comer, but someone who was on the brink of true greatness. These two elements combined created a rivalry that was truly explosive but one that people will still talk about and debate 30 years later. And I invite you to settle in as we explore one of the truly great rivalries in the history of sport, not just F1, not just motorsport, but sport in general. I'm Rob Manafield, and welcome to F1 Everything, episode 12, Senna versus Prost. Now before we get into the real arc of Ayrton Senna's and Alan Prost's rivalry that dates from 1988 to 1993, I want to take you back to 1984. You see, before the two became teammates they would actually race each other for four seasons though the circumstances were very different. So I will give a bit of background to both drivers though I shall save going into more detail about Prost's previous exploits until the inevitable Alain Prost episode of the podcast comes out down the line. The Frenchman had debuted in F1 in 1980 for McLaren, and after falling out with the team during the year due to a number of incidents, he left the team, despite being contracted with them for another two seasons, and went to Renault. He would stay with the French squad for three seasons, racking up nine victories with the team, and he would come within a whisker of winning the 1983 World Championship finishing just two points behind Nelson Piquet, before rejoining McLaren for 1984. By now, Prost was considered to be one of the best drivers on the grid, and was more than a match for his McLaren teammate, Nicky Lauda. And his McLaren MP42 was by far the best car on the grid, which meant that both Prost and Lauda would fight out for that title that year. 1984 also saw the debut of a young hotshot from Brazil, driving an underpowered Tolman. Yes, you've guessed it, Ayrton Senna. If you want to hear the full story of Senna's early career, go back and listen to the very first episode of F1 Everything. So, you have Prost starting his fifth season in the sport, who was someone people considered to be the best driver, and you have Senna, a newbie, looking to make an impression. On paper you would have thought that these two wouldn't even come close to battling on track together considering the circumstances, but you would be wrong. That year's Monaco Grand Prix almost saw one of the most unexpected victories of all time in one of the wettest races of all time. The track was unbelievably wet, practically flooded in fact, it was so wet that the decision was made for the track inside the tunnel to be sprayed with a water hose, as the difference between the sodden circuit and the bone-dry tarmac inside the tunnel would cause the cars to lose it. Crazy, isn't it? But then again, there was a time that Bernie Eccleston wanted all tracks soaked with water hoses to spice up the racing. This is as close as we'll ever get to that, thankfully. In qualifying, Prost scored pole position with a time of 1 minute 22.661, his first pole position with McLaren, just fractionally quicker than Britain's Nigel Mansell in the Lotus in second, and over a second faster than his McLaren teammate Nicky Lauda. On the other hand, Senna were qualified down in 13th, 2.3 seconds off the Frenchman's time, though this was to be, you know, to be expected considering their respective machinery. But as the rain continued to pour on the Sunday, all advantages that came from superior machinery were, basically, washed away with the rain. On a track like Monaco, in weather like that, that was almost down to driver skill, not the car. Heavy rain acts as a great equaliser, and this would be demonstrated in full force during the race. Whilst F1's greats struggled with the conditions, Mansell for example crashed heavily whilst leading the field on the run up towards Massonet, one driver was thriving. After 5 laps, Senna had gone from 13th to 8th, and he continued to climb through the field at a rapid rate of knots. In fact on lap 19 Senna made a move on Nicky Lauda and the McLaren into sand vote and he made it stick. The young Brazilian, in only his sixth Grand Prix start, was now running in second place. But he wasn't done. He started chasing after Prost. The McLaren driver was seriously struggling and was lapping considerably slower than Senna. With every lap, Senna was eating multiple seconds into Prost's lead. Prost having a terrible time out front and not enjoying the conditions at all, began gesturing desperately to the race officials to get the race stopped as he passed the start-finish line. And his wish would be granted, as race clerk Jackie Ix had seen enough and the race was red flagged at the end of lap 32. But Senna actually beat the McLaren driver over the line as both the red flag and the chequered flag were both thrown and he celebrated. Senna thought he had won. But the rules were that the finishing positions would be taken back one lap, the last lap that every remaining driver had completed, lap 31, and Prost had been leading that lap. Therefore Prost was declared the winner, with Senna being classified in second place. There is some controversy surrounding this early race stoppage, as Ix was a driver for the Porsche supercar team, and Prost was driving a Porsche powered McLaren. Basically people thought that Jackie had done Prost a favour and they weren't pleased, and Jackie was suspended for misstewarding duties as he hadn't consulted the other stewards about stopping the race early. The rain was also less heavy than it had been earlier in the race, so should it have been stopped at all? however even though Senna would have taken the lead of the race he wouldn't have lasted much longer. Senna had actually clouted a curb too hard earlier in the race and had damaged the car's suspension. It was estimated by Tolman that he would have only lasted a handful of laps longer before retiring from the race himself. And it was actually this early race stoppage that ended up costing Prost the title in 1984 as half points were awarded as this race had stopped prior to the 75% of the race distance being completed. And Prost lost the title to Lauda that year by half a point. If the race had continued Prost would have won it after all and he would have won the world championship with those extra points. But Senna was adamant that he should have won the race. He wasn't happy and he made his feelings clear afterwards. But it was a true statement by Senna and a sign that Senna and Prost paths were going to meet again in the future. Prost was already at the front and it was only going to be a matter of time before Senna was going to join him there. After scoring two more podiums in 1984 at the British Grand Prix at Brands Hatch and at the season finale at Estoril in Portugal, Senna would leave Tolman for pastures greener and joined Lotus for 1985, where he would stay for three seasons and win six races. Prost would remain at McLaren and win both the 1985 and 1986 World Championships. The two would occasionally battle each other over the next three years, such as at Imola and at Silverstone in 1985, in Canada in 1986, and in Spain and in Germany in 1987, but these battles were nothing compared to what lied ahead for the two. Senna had made quite the impact in his three seasons with Lotus, and signed for McLaren for 1988. Prost by that point was a two-time world champion, and considered to be the best driver in the world. Surely pairing these two together would be completely harmonious, and it would go swimmingly, right? 1988 would prove to be a huge year for McLaren. With undoubtedly the strongest lineup on the grid, the team knew that this was a season which could potentially reap huge rewards. They had two of the best drivers in the world under their payroll, who were heading into the championship with two very different points to prove. Prost was looking to cement himself as the best against his younger teammate. Senna was looking to boot Prost from his proverbial throne and stake his claim as the true king of the sport. But of course, both men would need a good car to take the fight to Williams, who had won the 1987 World Championship with Nelson Piquet. Thankfully, McLaren delivered. They created the MP4-4. To non-F1 fans that is just a collection of letters, numbers and a symbol. To F1 fans, that name induces shivers down the spine. The McLaren MP4-4 from 1988 is quite possibly the greatest racing car of all time. Not just Formula 1, but of all of motorsport. In a 16 race season the McLaren MP44 was driven to victory 15 times. It still holds the record as the most dominant single season car of all time, with a winning percentage of 93.8%. Only one car has come close and that is the 2016 Mercedes, which won 19 out of 21 races and had a winning percentage of 90.5%. The fact that even the mighty Mercedes of the modern era hasn't been able to beat this now 30 year record is quite something considering how dominant they've been since the beginning of the hybrid era. The MP44 is a remarkable piece of engineering and it was miles ahead of anything that had come before it, and Seder and Prost set to work straight away. They looked good in pre-season testing and everyone was concerned that there could very well be a complete hiding lying ahead for them all from the team from Woking. Things looked a little encouraging for the rest of the field after the opening round in Brazil with Gerhard Berger finishing second in the Ferrari and people began to wonder whether the Italian team might be able to take the fight to McLaren after all. Berger however downplayed their chances and after the 2nd round in San Marino you could see why. The McLarens fully arrived at Imola. The McLarens locked out the front row and Senna who secured pole position was 3 seconds faster than 3rd placed Piquet in the Lotus. Prost would end up around 8 tenths of a second off of Senna's time but quite frankly it was a massacre by the McLaren team. Senna, who had been disqualified from the Brazilian Grand Prix after he was forced into the spare car at the start of the race due to technical issues, therefore gifting Prost an unchallenged nine points in the championship, had no such problems in San Marino. He secured pole position and his first victory for McLaren. Prost would follow home in 2nd place just over 2 seconds behind his teammate, and the pair were the only two drivers to finish on the lead lap. They lapped everybody. Monaco was next, and qualifying in Monaco is undoubtedly the most important part of the Monaco Grand Prix weekend, as it plays a gigantic factor into the race, since overtaking around the narrow streets of Monte Carlo is extremely difficult. So both Senna and Prost knew that pole position was going to be critical and both knew that they had the car underneath them to get the job done. Prost must have felt supremely confident heading into the Monaco Grand Prix race weekend. Leading the championship, six points clear of his teammate, amazing car at his disposal. It all looked good. After qualifying, however, Prost must have felt psychologically battered As I am sure you all know Senna took pole position, but astonishingly he did so by close to one and a half seconds ahead of his teammate Prost. That is almost unfathomable and a true testament to Senna's ability that he was able to extract that much out of a car that was already miles faster than everything else on the grid. The race would be a similar story for the two though though it ended up being very different come the end of the race at the chequered flag. Senna drove a biblically good race, leading his teammate Prost by close to a minute. In a day and age where we consider Bottas beating Lewis Hamilton by 20 seconds to be a battering, nearly a full minute ahead of your teammate is just something you can't comprehend, especially around a track like Monaco where the margins for error were so small. Senna was so far ahead that his team radioed into him to slow down to secure the one-two finish. And we all know what happened next. Senna crashed his McLaren and that was it. Prost won. He inherited an unlikely victory. A lucky victory. And Senna was furious with himself. He famously went straight back to his apartment and he didn't return to the panic until hours after the race had ended. After dominating the whole race weekend, after absolutely destroying his teammate from the moment the cars hit the track on the Thursday morning, he and he alone had thrown it all away. Senna rarely made mistakes, but none hit home as hard as this did. Prost was lucky to win that race and celebrated like he, as you would, full of joy and spraying the champagne on the rostrum. But let's be honest, Prost didn't win that race, Senna lost it, and deep down, both drivers knew that as well. After three rounds, Prost had 25 points to Senna's nine, and after Prost took a third win from four starts at Mexico the next time out, things looked like they were firmly in hand for the Frenchman. But Senna would begin a huge comeback, winning six of the next seven races, The only race that Prost won in between was his home race at Paul Ricard in France. Both drivers drove the wheels off of their cars throughout that race, and while Senna was trying to lap back markers, including a less than helpful Nelson Piquet, Prost seized his chance and snuck down the inside of Senna, heading into the long double apexed, double droid, de Basset. Senna was also managing a gearbox problem, but it all allowed his teammate to gain the upper hand and win and beat him by 30 seconds come the flag. The next round was Silverstone and the two McLarens would actually struggle to be completely dominant. They were actually outqualified by the two Ferraris of Berger and Alboreto. And while Senna would win the race, the Ferraris and Mantle in the Williams would prove to be equally as competitive on the day. The race was wet and Prost would drop like a stone almost immediately and was down to ninth from 4th on the grid on the opening lap. Senna would challenge the two Ferraris and he took the lead on lap 15 from Berger. He would also lap his teammate at the same time after the bridge chicane. Prost had a terrible day and he retired the car claiming his McLaren was suffering from handling problems. Prost claimed that the handling had been so terrible from the start of the race that he decided that the risks of carrying on and potentially crashing and hurting himself weren't worth the result he was likely to get, which was well outside the points. It's moments like this which go a long way to describe why Prost was called the Professor. He knew long term it wasn't worth risking breaking a leg in a crash, and there wasn't anything on the line for him. He thought about the long game. Senna would win ahead of Mansell who had made a great comeback to finish second. Senna would win in Germany, Hungary and Belgium with Prost finishing second in all three races. After the Belgian Grand Prix Senna had 75 points and Prost had 72. In that particular race weekend Senna had copied Prost's car setup and it reaped great rewards. Prost, however, decided to change his car setup at the last minute to give him more top speed, but that would prove catastrophic, and it completely upset the handling of his MP4-4. Whilst Senna dashed off into the distance, Prost struggled and finished half a minute behind his teammate. The two were doing everything they could to get the upper hand. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. The Italian Grand Prix followed and this was the only race which wasn't won by either Prost or Senna. Prost would suffer from a misfiring McLaren and would retire, though not before he would goad Senna into using too much fuel to try and maximise his title chances. Prost would have known he wasn't going to finish, and he did everything he could to stop his teammate. He put his car into full attack mode and pressured his teammate. To use more fuel than him. Senna however looked to have things well in hand and looked set to take yet another win. However with just two laps to go, Senna collided with the Williams of Schleser as he lapped him into the first set of chicanes. Both McLarens were out, the Ferraris took the lead and the Tafosi went ballistic. Berger led Alboreto home to a famous 1-2 finish in front of the adoring fans and the win was even more significant due to Enzo Ferrari's recent passing prior to the race. It was a hugely emotional moment for the Ferrari team. Not that Senna, or McLaren cared mind. One lost race was a drop in the ocean to them. They were still miles ahead of everyone and as the season reached its closing stages, it was still all to play for. However with Prost using cunning tactics to try and lure Senna into using too much fuel at Monza it was clear that there were mind games at work between the two. Senna however would take things a step further at Estoril in Portugal at the next race. The two ran nose to tail down the front straight and Prost fancied a move on his teammate. He pulled out But at the same time, Senna forced his teammate right up against the pit wall. Think what happened between Schumacher and Barrichello at Hungary in 2010. But this happened over 20 years prior, when the cars were so, well, they were far less safe than they are now. It was as dirty as you can get. It was one of the things which Senna shouldn't be allowed to get away with, in my opinion. With people on the pit wall frantically trying to move their pit boards away from the incoming McLaren, it could have been something out of a horror movie. To Prost's credit, he held his nerve and overtook his teammate, and we would go on to win. Senna would finish sixth. The championship was going down to the wire. Senna and Prost would battle for the title in Japan at Suzuka. By this point, Senna and Prost's relationship as teammates had taken a turn for the worst. Prost was angry with Senna for his dangerous defence of his lead in Portugal, and you could tell that the gloves were well and truly off between the two. To be fair, in a situation like theirs, they were never going to be best friends. Both drivers in a position to win races regularly, and both were in a position to win the world championship. And even come the 19th, But even come the end of 1988, the two didn't have the venom for the other quite yet. That would come the following year. But Japan was a key moment in their rivalry. The two locked out the front row at Suzuka, but Senna practically stalled his McLaren at the start and dropped well down the order. But Senna fought his way through the order and capitalised on some misfortune for Prost, who was struggling with a malfunctioning gearbox. Plus, tricky... Wet dry conditions and lap traffic didn't help the Frenchman either and Senna overtook his teammate and won the race, securing his first World Championship triumph. Prost would round off the season with a win in Australia, and the first part of the Senna-Prost rivalry was in the books. If tensions had begun to mount as the two contested the 1988 World Championship, for example the two would make occasional comments in the media about how things were throughout 1988, everything completely fell apart in 1989. And it fell apart in the most spectacular and dramatic of ways. By now, Senna was well and truly on equal footing with his teammate, no longer the up-and-comer from the year before. Senna was now top dog, and he had it all to lose in 1989. Prost knew he would have to up his game if he was going to win a third world title. After neither driver won the season opener in Brazil, that race was won by Nigel Mantel on his debut for Ferrari, things seemed to return to normal at San Marino, with Senna and Prost fighting each other hard for the race win. This was also the race which saw Gerhard Berger survive a fiery shunt at Tamburello on the third lap. His Ferrari suffered from brake failure and slammed into the unforgiving concrete wall surrounding the track. Whilst Berger did suffer from a broken rib, shoulder bone and some burns, he was incredibly lucky to survive the crash. It's a bit of a miracle, quite frankly. After the race was restarted, the McLarens led away again with Prost leading the field. However, on the approach to Toza, after the Villeneuve curve, Senna snuck past his teammate into the lead. Prost was furious, as there had been supposedly been an agreement for the two drivers to hold station initially and Senna had completely gone against this. Senna's argument was the agreement was for the two not to race each other into the first corner and Tosa was technically the third corner. Mind games such as this really wreaked havoc on their relationship, and Prost has since said that their fallout between the two started with this and the two would bicker and fight each other flat out all season long. The feud would reach its boiling point at Suzuka, in one of the most controversial Grand Prix's of all time. Heading into the 1989 Japanese Grand Prix, the ball was very much in Prost's court, He had 76 points to Senna's 60, and was on the brink of winning his third world title. Throughout the season, Prost had been far more consistent than Senna, scoring points at all but one race, the Canadian Grand Prix, in which he had retired. Senna, meanwhile, had won six Grand Prix prior to Japan, two more than his teammate, but he had also retired from five races and had finished outside the points twice more. Senna was either winning or not scoring and across a championship season where every point matters Prost looked more complete out of the two, hence his sizeable points advantage heading into the penultimate race in Japan. By this point the two really didn't like each other. In fact they outright hated each other. Prost had claimed that McLaren were favouring his teammate And one example of this was the fact that McLaren gave Prost up to four mechanics at the Italian Grand Prix weekend, and the team had appointed Senna with around 20. And Prost slammed his team in the press for this, though he was forced to publicly apologise for this comment, but the seed had been planted. As well as this, Prost was certain that Honda, who were McLaren's engine supplier, were favouring Senna, and the Frenchman had had enough. Plus, the general vibe in the team was that Senna was the future of McLaren and Prost wasn't. It sounds similar to the situation between Red Bull, Daniel Ricciardo and Max Verstappen in 2018, though this was on a much bigger scale. By Japan, Prost had already announced that he was leaving McLaren for Ferrari for 1990. Senna was very much McLaren's future and Prost wanted no part of it. He wanted to be on level terms with the Brazilian and he believed he wasn't going to get that at McLaren. Senna took pole position for the Japanese Grand Prix with Prost alongside him and as the two lined up on the grid at Suzuka with the title on the line, nobody knew that things were about to explode so spectacularly in front of the entire world. Prost jumped his teammate off the line and he led Senna all race long. The Brazilians stuck to Prost's gearbox like glue and the two would continue that way all afternoon long. Neither driver gave an inch. Senna had been eyeing up a move into the final chicane for several laps and he knew he had to go for it, as he was going to be his only chance of beating his teammate to keep his title hopes alive. On lap 46, with time and laps running out, Senna made his move from far back. Senna brake later, slid his McLaren at the inside of Prost's McLaren, and from the TV footage it looked like the move was done. But Prost, knowing he was champion, if Senna didn't score, violently closed the door as the two approached the corner. The two made contact and came to a halt. Prost was out on the spot having stalled his McLaren, and it looked like Senna was out of the race too. Murray Walker announced excitedly that Prost was the 1989 world champion, but Senna wasn't finished. With help from some marshals, he bump started his McLaren and rejoined the circuit, through the escape road and carried on. Prost watched his biggest rival speed away and quickly made a dash for the stewards office to argue his case. Essentially Prost was happy to win his third title off track rather than on it. Senna would pit to replace his damaged front wing and it end up winning the race. However, as we all know, this win wouldn't stand for very long. An uncharacteristically long wait for the traditional podium ceremony ensued and people knew that politics were fully at play, and they were about to decide the outcome of the entire season and it was quickly announced that senna had been disqualified from the japanese grand prix meaning that his teammate prost was officially the 1989 formula 1 world champion the disqualification wasn't because of the incident itself but because senna had used an escape road to rejoin the circuit basically the stewards said that senna hadn't completed the full race distance because of this and had gained an advantage by cutting the chicane and this was enough in their mind to disqualify him and gift Prost the title. McLaren appealed, but it was refused, and Senna was given a $100,000 fine and a six-month suspended ban. As you would imagine, Senna was distraught. Prost, however, seemed nonplussed that he'd won his third world championship in as controversial a way as you can imagine. And for my opinion only, Prost should have been disqualified as well. I personally think Prost deliberately drove into Senna. He knew Senna had enough momentum to make the move stick, and he took the corner way too early. There was only one destination Prost had on his mind as he attempted to turn into the final chicane, and it certainly wasn't the corner. He was aiming for Senna's car, and people tend to forget that Prost did this. It's one of those forgotten facts, if you will. And people give Senna a hard time for his actions a year later to this day, yet no no one mentions the fact that Prost deliberately drove into Senna knowing a DNF for his teammate would win him the title. I think it's ridiculous. Prost argued his case, claiming he would never do such a thing, and perhaps he didn't mean to. Maybe he never intended to drive straight into his teammate. But go and find the footage of the accident online and make up your own minds. It doesn't look good for the Frenchman. But I guess it's neither here nor there. It was all over. Prost had wrapped up his third world title in the most controversial way possible and left his once beloved McLaren team for Ferrari. Things, however, would slowly turn sour for the Frenchman over the coming two seasons and Senna would truly ascend to the top of Formula 1. But the two would have perhaps the most explosive on track altercation in history along the way. 1990 saw the return of Ferrari as a true front runner. With Alain Prost and Nigel Mansell at the wheel of the prancing horses, the Tifosi looked to have something to cheer about. Senna would now be partnered by Gerhard Berger at McLaren, and it's fair to say that the two had a much healthier relationship as teammates. 1990 started well for Senna, who won three of the opening five races, with Prost only taking one win at Senna's home race in Brazil, which I am sure delighted the locals. However, Prost mounted a title challenge by winning three straight races in Mexico, France and Britain, and the Frenchman would actually have the championship lead after the race at Silverstone, with 41 points to Senna's 39. For the second half of the season, however, Senna was very much in control, winning three of the next six races. Prost wouldn't win again until the Spanish Grand Prix at Jerez a race which saw Senna retire due to a punctured radiator, keeping the Frenchman's title hopes alive. He trailed Prost by nine points heading into the Japanese Grand Prix, and Senna hadn't forgotten about Japan the previous year. In fact, to say that the events of the year before were still on his mind is a bit of an understatement. Senna took pole, like he tended to do at this point in his career, but there was the problem. The pole position grid slot was uncharacteristically on the wrong side of the circuit, the dirty side. The advantage of getting pole position would be completely swept away if the pole sitter was to start on the other side of the track. Senna requested that the pole position grid slot be switched to the cleaner side but it was declined and with Prost lining up second Senna was not happy at all. Famously Senna would have it out with FISA president Jean-Marie Ballest in the driver's briefing prior to the race, not just because of the whole issue with the grid stop though. The issue surrounding a certain escape road was brought up. It was agreed during the meeting that for that day's race, if a driver went wide at the chicane, they could now use the escape road to continue. Beforehand they would have to turn around in the escape road and continue through the normal chicane Which just sounds ridiculous and unspeakably dangerous, essentially they would have to reverse onto the track. But of course, using the escape route was what got Senna disqualified the year prior, thus gifting Prost the title. Senna famously stormed out of the meeting and you knew the Brazilian was out for revenge from that point. For the longest time, Senna was certain that Prost and Valesde were in cahoots due to the fact they were both French. They came across as quite chummy, and because Prost knew the politics of Formula 1 better than anybody, Senna was certain that Prost was using that friendship to his advantage. Perhaps that's why the pole position grid slot wasn't moved to the clean side of the circuit at Suzuka, because it would have affected blessed friend Prost's chances in the race. Senna was already pissed off as he lined up on the grid. He said he had been fucked by the system enough times and he was going to do things his way. By his way, I don't think people expected what happened. As expected, Prost's Scarlet Ferrari jumped Senna's McLaren off the line with relative ease and Prost led away. As they approached the first corner, Senna tucked out from behind Prost, went for the inside line and as the gap continued to shrink, Senna didn't back out. Then the Brazilian sent his McLaren into the side of Prost's Ferrari, sending him violently into the gravel trap. Senna carried on into the tyre barriers and both cars came to a screeching halt. Within 20 seconds both Senna and Prost were out of the race and much like Prost had the year before, Senna had won the 1990 World Championship following a collision with the other. Both drivers climbed out of their respective wrecks and they made their way back to the paddock, both men keeping their distance from the other. Senna shyly accepted the plaudits, since he was now a two time world champion whilst Prost had to hold in the urge to punch him in the face. Which would have been completely understandable. Quite simply, Senna had deliberately crashed into Prost and had gotten away with it scot-free. But much like Prost had the year before, Senna got away with it. Though I feel his this particular incident is far more severe. In an age where drivers were getting seriously injured following high-speed accidents, Martin Donnelly, for example, suffered from a terrifying career-ending accident at Jaref last time out in qualifying, which saw him get flung from his car in something that resembled a scene out of a Final Destination movie. To intentionally crash into someone at top speed, regardless of the circumstances surrounding the race and the build up and all of those things, I think it's utterly reprehensible and Senna shouldn't be allowed to get away with it just because he's no longer with us. A year later, Senna admitted that he had planned what had happened out of revenge. Imagine a driver nowadays admitting that he intended to crash into another to win. They would be banned for life. But no, Senna won a world title because of it. And has said that Senna didn't just want to beat him, he wanted to destroy him. Schumacher gets slammed to this day for his incidents at Heref, Adelaide and Monaco and he's in no physical condition to respond to any of this anymore, but it still happens. I've always felt that Senna receives a free pass for this particular incident, but he gets away with it. But in many ways the two were now even. They'd had their controversial championship victories against the other and I guess a line was drawn. Senna had carried the weight of what happened at Suzuka in 1989 with him for the entire 1990 season and in one swift motion he had lifted that weight from his shoulders and he got his retribution. In some ways Prost got what was coming to him following his crash into Senna the year prior, but neither incident is excusable, neither driver should be allowed to get away with it. But in many ways. These two incidents define Senna and Prost's rivalry. When you think of the two doing battle, you don't think of the awkward off track media interviews the two were involved in, or the spats, or the contract negotiations or anything like that over the next few years. You think of a Suzuka in 1989 and in 1990. Both drivers driven to the absolute limit both physically and mentally. Both drivers redefining what was acceptable racing standards for better and for worse. and The drama that these two incidents created for the television audience around the world was absolutely massive and Senna and Prost was big business for Formula 1. In many ways it was the rivalry that took the sport to the next level. People were talking about their exploits throughout the championship battles and Formula 1 became unmissable television and despite some fans taking things too far in Brazil especially as some actually you know the target Prost with serious hate and down the line he would even require a police escort when arriving and leaving the Interlagos circuit for Senna's home race but all the great sports have unforgettable passion fueled rivalries baseball has the Yankees versus the Red Sox football or soccer Has Barcelona and Real Madrid. Boxing had Ali and Frazier. Formula One had Senna versus Prost. And whilst their on-track rivalry had now peaked, the two would continue to be at each other's throats for the next three years both on the track and off it. 1991 saw Prost's slow decline at Ferrari, to the point where he was fired by the team for criticising the car, describing it as a truck. The two would face off against each other at the German Grand Prix mind and at 200mph, Senna defending his position into the first chicane on the old Hockenheim circuit so aggressively that it forced Prost off the road and it caused his Ferrari to stall that was about as close as the two got to each other all season and Senna would battle Nigel Mantle in the Williams over the title which saw Senna emerge victorious at, you guessed it, Suzuka. Prost wouldn't score a single win throughout the whole season, it was the first time since his debut in 1980 that he hadn't won a Grand Prix in a season. With options limited, Prost decided to take a sabbatical for 1992. Senna would struggle to stay in touch with the Williamses during the 1992 season and would finish a distant fourth in the driver's standings. Perhaps the biggest battle for Senna was his off-track battle to secure a Williams seat, as it was clear that they were going to be the team to beat going forward. But Prost got there first for 1993, and the Frenchman had no intentions of having Senna join him, as he had a clause inserted into his contract which prevented the Brazilian from signing with Williams. Senna was furious and publicly slammed Prost in a press conference following the 1992 Portuguese Grand Prix. He said that Formula One had gone through two really political seasons in 1989 and 1990, and with Prost returning for 1993 in the way that he was, things were going to go that way again. He rounded off his rant against his arch-rival by calling him a coward for preventing him from signing with Williams and he described that Prost wanted things laid out specifically for him in a way in which a 100 meter sprinter would want running shoes for themselves and lead shoes for his op- opposition. It's clear that even after a year apart, there was no love lost between Senna and Prost heading into 1993. And with that year's Williams being far superior to the McLaren, inevitably Prost would end up winning a fourth driver's title. The two would engage in some heated on-track battles, mind, specifically at Silverstone over second place. Senna defended with everything he had, placing his car in places that made overtaking exceptionally difficult for Prost. But with the Williams driver, well, it was inevitable that he was going to get passed. He would go on to win the race, along with six others that season, and win the 1993 Drivers' Championship at Estoril in Portugal, with two races in hand. And he subsequently announced his retirement. His contract didn't run into 1994, and essentially, he moved out of the way for Senna to make his move to Williams for 1994. And with that, the animosity between the two slowly started to subside. Senna would win the season finale in Australia, his last race for McLaren, and Prost's last race for Williams and of his career. And in an unexpected show of respect, he invited Prost to stand on the top step of the podium with him during the podium celebrations. Not even Prost saw this coming, considering at the race prior in Japan, Senna had declined a handshake from Prost. And after that, the Frenchman hung up his helmet and the two made amends and all the bad blood between the two went away. They would talk on the phone regularly, following the 1993 season, mostly about safety. And Senna came to realise that much of his anger towards Prost wasn't so much hatred towards him, but more just his desire to win, taking over everything. And Pross said in an interview four years after Senna's death that when Ayrton died, so did a part of him. It's funny how the two came full circle by the time they stood on the rostrum at Adelaide at the end of 1993. Having spent years at each other's throats, publicly slamming each other, driving into each other, forcing the other up against pit walls, come the end of it all, the two were friends. The respect that had once existed when the the two initially raced at McLaren, which was lost so dramatically and so publicly during the coming years, had returned. And that's exactly what a great rivalry should be. On track, fury, off track, respect. When racing wheel to wheel, it's hard to remain friends, especially when the ultimate prize of being world champion is at stake. But come the end of their time racing against each other, the two made peace. If N hadn't passed away, you have to imagine the two would have been good pals sharing stories of their time together, probably laughing with one another about how they used to get so angry with the other. And I suspect that maybe even an apology would have been exchanged between the two. It was clear that Prost was awfully affected by Senna's death. At his funeral, Prost was a pallbearer. And when the Ayrton Senna Foundation was founded, Prost became a trustee for the charity. And Prost, to this day, still finds it difficult to talk about Ed and Senna. Not because he's held on to the anger that came from their rivalry, but because Senna, as a topic, is just so emotional to him. And he has said that he doesn't know why they put each other through such hate-filled situations for so long. But without such hatred, neither driver would have pushed themselves to the limit, like they did so often To show the other that they were the best. So without that hatred we wouldn't have gotten the incredible racing that came from that time period, the incredible moments in time which people like myself talk about three decades later, and I think about the hatred the two had for each other, we wouldn't have got the Ayrton Senna and the Alain Prost that we had. This episode of F1 Everything was written and created by me, Rob. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to F1 Everything on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud, or whatever podcast app you use, and leave a rating and a review. Also, be sure to follow the show on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for F1 Everything on all three. And be sure to check out my other Formula 1 podcast, The Michael Schumacher Podcast. Again, available on all the usual podcast apps and on social media. Just search for The Michael Schumacher Podcast. The next episode of F1 Everything, episode 13, is going to be based on the events of that fateful weekend at Imola in 1994. And that episode will be released in time to commemorate the 25th anniversary of the event. So please do stick around for that. I suspect it's going to be quite emotional. Once again, thank you for listening. I'm Rob Manafield, and I'll see you around the next corner.